are listening to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, episode 26, interview with Chad Williams. (laughs) Williams, part two. Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, the podcast designed to grow young ministers. This is Tim Lucas, and with me today in the grand virtual studio is Nigel Ali. How's it going, Nigel? Hey, man, doing great. Now, you probably noticed we didn't intro Ryan. That's because his wife is currently having a baby. Yes, he said I could tell you that because by the time this is released, fingers crossed, the baby will have already been born. And also with us, we are so honored and overjoyed to have with us today uh, Metro Missionary Chad Williams. Thanks for joining us tonight, Brother Williams. It's exciting to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Future Tim here. In case you missed last episode, this is part two of an interview we did with Brother Williams. So if you haven't heard episode 25 yet, you might want to go back and listen to that one first. Let's see, where were we? Oh yeah. What exactly um, does your sermon prep kind of workflow system look like everybody has their own and, and what what does yours normally look like you know i find that to uh constantly be developing and uh being shaped i guess changes on occasion i would say my main approach is that when i feel like god begins to speak to me about a sermon or a message that i'm supposed to share i what i actually do is i record I record it as God gives it to me in audio. And so, you know, if God speaks to me about a sermon that he wants me to give, a message that he wants me to give, then I will immediately start through audio recording what I feel like God is laying on my heart. And then over the course of several days, uh, God I, God typically shares those things with me uh, through through reading, through the spirit, through prayer, et cetera, et cetera. He impresses things upon me. I just continue to record them. Um, And then as time approaches and I need to start preparing, I use those audio recordings to start putting it in writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm pretty systematic and pretty detailed. My notes tend to be that way. Uh, So I'll lay them out pretty detailed, you know. Um, But my process is typically I feel like God begins to speak to me. And I begin to receive what he says and record it uh, through an audio recording. That's and actually, that, that recording develops over time. That's great. I, that's a great idea. I'm going to use that myself because I know um, so many times that's true. And what the first thing I normally do um, is I just start almost talking it out loud as if I'm just sharing it with someone <laughs> next to me and it's, and and so recording it would be very beneficial. I've actually thought about that and never done it. Um, and I've noticed too, in my experience, that every time, um, the the more I I I don't I don't know how to say this because sometimes it works out, but it's clear sometimes when I start putting too much of myself in it. Yeah. And somewhere along the line, I'm like, okay, I got to go back and start over with what the Lord gave me, and yeah. not. You know, and, and I'm all for commentaries. I'm not against commentaries. They're valuable yeah. it, it in the right place, but there's definitely been times. And, and I, the only way I can say it is I have ruined sermons by reading too many yeah. of the wrong commentaries and start writing it in until there have been times where the Lord has not let me preach a message that he gave me that I ruined. 
And so he yeah. just scrap it and start over. Someday we'll probably get back to that, you know. And so, um, but yeah, that's I'm I'm, I'm going to do that um, for sure. Even yeah, that's that's great. I like that. Um, I'm guilty so, as I'm guilty yeah. of all those things too. By the way, so uh, by far I'm far from perfection, and I'm I'm an overkill guy, man. I will I'll beat it I'll beat it to death with ten thousand words. I mean, yeah. So I have to work hard at that. You know, less is more. Yeah, uh, it really is. And so I can't, but I'm, I'm the guy that's more is more, you know? Yeah. But, you know, uh, I, th- I thought I had done better at cutting back. And then recently we had a, um, a guest speaker in our, our youth, uh, service. And he said, well, I don't know about your youth pastor, but sometimes I can be long winded. And the number of chuckles, sighs and comments <laughs> that were made real, made me realize I was not as yeah. advanced in my development on cutting it short as I yes. thought. <laughs> um, but yes, that's, pro- that's probably exactly. typical of most preachers. I think there's there's not too many that the people wish they would go yeah. <laughs> longer. Exactly. So now here's the deal for me. When I'm, I'm my, the whole sermon prep, obviously I'm trying to be sensitive to God, record things audibly as he gives it to me. Um, you know, and then obviously as time approaches to share that message, deliver that message, then I take it out of audio and I put it on paper. And I have a format that I follow. Again, it's a more detailed format, a more word-to-word type format. I may not preach it that way, but that's how I'll at least list it. But I'll tell you what I'm also thinking about when I am just prepping for a sermon. I'm thinking about the altar time. Yeah. And I believe it's so important that we're very diligent about the altar time. Yeah. We can't spend 45 minutes on our content and then not even yeah. think about the altar. Yeah. And it, we have to ask God, what do you want to happen in this altar yeah. moment? What is your desire? And when God tells you, you need to facilitate that. I know that's yeah. not common. I'm not here to beat up on any practices or traditions. But right. if, if God gives you a word, he's got a purpose. And there's a desired response that he has from his people right. that he wants to see. And he can tell you what that is if you ask him. And then your responsibility is to do your best to facilitate that with the help of the spirit. And I think that's very important. Uh, And so I think we cannot neglect that altar moment and what God wants to have happen there. He has something he wants you to say, and he also has something he wants to have happen. Mm -hmm. And he will use you to do both of those things. But we have to take time to ask him. So I think it's important when you're prepping that you're seeking God. What do you want to happen in response to the word tonight? And then as the service approaches, I would say get away from your notes. At some point, let them be and pray and be in tune with God and ask God regularly. What do you want to happen tonight, God? Will you tell me what you want to happen? Because that's just as important as what you want me to say. Yeah. Because I have to facilitate that if I can as well. So I think that's important. Also, I try to be mindful of the way I deliver that message. I think about my tone mm-hmm. message. What's my tone going to be like? I think about my spirit wanting it to be humble, gentle. I want them to feel the love of God flowing from my life and my, my heart and my voice in that moment. I want them to see it in my disposition. So I think about my tone. I think about my volume. I try to think about my pitch because listen, there's some people in that crowd. They they'll run, they'll say amen, and they don't care how you sound. They just yeah. love Jesus and they love God's word, and it's beautiful. But there's other people that aren't like that. They may mm-hmm. be a guest, 
And these guests are affected by your volume, by your pace, by your pitch. If your pitch is high the whole time, some people are going to get weary of that. And I'm guilty of that. So trust me, I am a terrible critic of myself and I'm guilty of that. So I try to be mindful of like what my pitch is like, what my, uh, you know, how I'm fluctuating, where my emphasis is at as well. And, And create, it's a journey. You're taking these people on a journey. Yeah, And all of these things come into play in keeping them in the car with you. Let's put it that way. Yeah, And for some people, if we're not careful, the way in which we deliver the message we're given will cause them to get out of the car. Yeah. And and you'll lose them. And and I'm not saying you can be perfect and keep everybody, but I'm saying let's be mindful of those things and be sensitive to that because it's very important in delivering that message in that moment. And I also try to think about how people learn. People learn by seeing, hearing, and doing. And I try to think of that when I'm sharing the message God has given me. I try to have, you know, a vivid illustrations, if I can, that help the people that are seers and doers, you know, that mm-hmm. are visual. I try my best to have a good, vivid illustration, if I can, that helps them really process what God's saying. So I think it's important to be mindful of that as well. Yeah, the, the I've got a big crowd here and some people are going to learn what I, some people are going to receive this message from what I say. Some people are going to receive it by what I might be doing as I'm delivering the message and what kind of pictures I can kind of paint in their minds. So these are things that I consider a part of sermon prep that I try to be mindful of both in prep and then during the delivery of the message that God gives. Yeah. As interesting, you talked about people that are you know, high, uh, the whole sermon and not that they're high, the whole sermon, but preach kind of up, up there, you know, because, right. Because, you know, we like to criticize some of the other, I guess, liturgical, um, and say, well, it's monotone. Well, mono just means the same tone. And so whether that same tone is low or yell the whole time, well, they're both monotone and they're both weary, you know, on the mind. And especially for a non-Pentecost oriented guest not that we're following the the relevant church and all that not but we still need to be mindful and they're not used to being yelled at at all right and so if but if if as our passion rises it's fine but you you just can't start in their face no people don't accept that well, and I, um, absolutely, know. and I don't want to be misconstrued. I'm not being negative about having a high voice and oh, then no, no, no. being passionate. Definitely, I'm with you on that 100. Right. I'm just saying, thinking about just varying that right. and, and and doing that in a way that is very tasteful and people can receive it. As right. and, and as you just said, we're talking about those people that aren't Pentecostal, that yeah. are guests who are are trying to process the whole experience they're having right now. Their mind's already blown by the worship (laughs) and the atmosphere, you know, and so, and now, and now they're getting preaching and it's being delivered in a way that's not customary to them. And so certainly be enthusiastic and they'll appreciate that. Yeah. But you know, it is true. You can, you can preach at, at a high pitch the whole time. And even for a seasoned Pentecostal, they might get a little weary. Yeah. With that. I, I tell some of my more, I guess, intense friends, I say, you know, I once had a man say, always notice when someone arguing gets loud because it means they don't really believe what they are saying. <laughs> yes. Amen. I know that's not true with us because, you know, we're just used to 
exuberance. But, but, you know, we do need to be careful. I think sometimes we over Pentecostalize ourselves sometimes. Yes. And (laughs) as we, as we all know, you know, we're certainly not swinging any at, at Pentecost and, and preaching, preaching is important. I'm just talking about as we're being preachers, we're also being communicators, you know, and that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a good point too, because you know sometimes as Pentecostals we and I, again I am not knocking Pentecostals. I'm Pentecostal. Yeah. I love Pentecostals. <laughs> Amen. Like, if I was against them, I'd be something else. <laughs> but at the same time, I think sometimes we are so passionate, and we should be about let's let the spirit flow and being in the moment, and that's necessary. But that does not negate the necessity for excellence. Yeah, we need to work yeah. on ourselves. And it's you know we we apply that to to speaking but imagine if we did that with music and said well let's not sing songs that have already been written let's get somebody on an instrument and just start singing and follow the spirit and everybody else can follow them well it would be chaos and and of course to some extent preaching is different and you have to follow the immediate spirit but you you have to have that you need to be as excellent as possible and the more you preach, of course, the more you'll get naturally that way. But there's nothing wrong with practicing your sermon. You know, it doesn't take... And, and I, I, like, it hit me one day. I realized somebody's talking, well, you need to hear the voice of God. Yeah, but God can speak a week before. You know, yeah, it, it doesn't negate his inspiration that he spoke on Monday instead of on Sunday and that I wrote down what he said, you know. Um, so I, th- I think that's a good point that you, you need to kind of polish it a little bit. Um, and take the edges off. Well, and, you know, in, in if we just talk for a moment in just communication and psychology and human behavior, right. if you think about that, they'll tell you when you when you take some good psychology classes and counseling that when you're communicating, you're obviously sending a message. That message mm-hmm. is received a certain way. And right. most of the time they'll tell you the majority of the message you're sending that's being received is not the actual content, but it's right. your nonverbals and it's your tone. Mm-hmm. That greatly affect the message and how the message is received, yeah. and uh, and so most of the time in them receiving it, I think they say the actual contents like seven percent of what's yeah. really affecting them, but it's the nonverbals being like fifty something percent, and so right. it's just that simple thought in mind that my nonverbals, what I'm doing with my body and my yeah. tone is greatly affecting what I am saying and how it's being received. Yeah, and how many times have we heard people say, "Well, did you know you said hallelujah fifty-seven times tonight?" And yeah, well, and, yeah, it's a joke, and and we like to say, "Well, you shouldn't have been paying attention to that, right?" But well, you shouldn't have said it that many times. It's so distracting, you know. Yes. Um. Yes, I I think my words are so great. You should only pay attention to them, but that's not reality. Well, um, and here's the deal, guys. And talking about sermon prep and delivery, I, I was encouraged to do this a long long time ago with one of my mentors. And they and I don't like doing it at all. I, I do not like it because I don't like to hear my voice. But I've been encouraged. <laughs> I've been encouraged to go listen to messages I've yeah. preached. Me, yeah. And, and you know you know let God teach you how to you know improve right. your preaching etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, and I'm be, trying to be careful about how I'm saying it. But I assure you, there's no one that dislikes my voice as much as I do. I can't stand yeah. to watch myself preach. Or listen to myself preach, but it's necessary. And when I do it and I do it with the right heart and I say, God, just help me see ways that maybe I could do better. 
help me see, you know, cause sometimes I'm guilty of, I'll say, okay, too much, perhaps Yeah. I might, I might say, Hey man, I get in a situation where I'm just a fit. It's just a filler. Or maybe right. I, maybe I'm doing something with the mic. That's not good yeah. or, you know, just little things. And I know it's little things, but it, this does affect people. It does, and uh, yeah. so I would encourage you if you can stomach it, you know, watch yourself preach, listen to yourself, uh, yeah. you know, after it's been recorded and, uh, and, and see what you think. Yeah. And also ask your wife, cause I guarantee yeah, you, she absolutely. has, she has room for you to improve. <laughs> hey, absolutely. And I was about to say that, bro. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And Hey, I I'll tell you, my wife and I worked out signals. She's got signals. And when I'm preaching, if she's there, I look at her and I am yeah. perfectly comfortable with her signals, yeah. you know, because if I'm doing something, if yeah. I'm doing something that could be distracting, I want to know it. I don't want to get in the way of God's yeah. message for that church in that service. Yeah. So her and I have worked out some signals and That's I look at her idea. direction sometimes and she gives me those signals. You know, yeah. when I was overseas, man, they turn the sound up as high as it will go, as high yeah. as it will go. So in order to compensate for that, I would keep the mic very low. Yeah. Well, then I come back to North America, and if I have the mic too low, I you can't hear me. Yeah. So my wife has a signal, and I know when she's telling me to raise the mic. Yeah. And because I'm still trying to adjust right. to that habit I created overseas. It was necessary there, but it's not necessary here. Yeah. And so just things like that. Man, I mean, get over yourself and let your wife create some signals and help you share the yeah. word of God so that people's lives will be changed. Yeah, yeah. If we can get rid of our egos, our wives have a yeah. lot of value. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I, man, I don't like it. I don't like it when my wife's not at church with me because afterwards I look forward uh, yeah. to asking her. I mean, me afterwards too. I look forward to asking her. And not just how did I do, my wife and your wife is probably very sensitive to the spirit. Yeah. And I don't just ask, how did I do? I ask, honey, how did you feel about the service? How did yeah. you feel about the prayer? Did you feel like the message was received? I want to hear that right. uh, portion of what she has to say too, because that's yeah. very, very important. Yeah, it's funny. I, I recently even, you know, I, I went home and I talk to my wife and she's like, well, you know, I thought it went really well. She's like this and this happened that I think kind of hindered a little bit of this, but you, you know, you did the right thing in this. And, and so it was encouraging. Well, then another one of my preacher friends that was there texted me was like, you know, Hey man, we can't win them all. You know, it's okay. And it was kind of not very encouraging, but it, it was so just roll off my back. Cause I already had the positive affirmation. You had it. Yeah, you know? exactly. And and so hey. I, it didn't matter. But if my wife had said, hey, you missed it here, I can take that because I know yeah. she is on my team. Absolutely. And so we're all just trying to get better. But yeah. And hey, and if you don't have a wife yet, that's no big deal. Yeah. It, you're, you're very likely ministering in a church where you have a mentor or a pastor yeah. if you're ministering. And you can tell your mentor, your pastor or another family member what's important to you and right. ask them. You know, if you know they yeah. love you and they're going to share their thoughts carefully, ask somebody else you can trust to help you in yeah. your process of developing your ability to share God's word with people. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, your your pastor, I know my pastor doesn't just offer criticism. No, exactly. Because he doesn't, you know, who wants to just offer criticism if someone's not going to take it? But if you'll go and say, hey, I want to get better, can you? We sit down every time I preach. Can we sit down just 10, yes. 10 minutes and you tell me what I did good, what I can do better on? 
I can't imagine any pastor would not be willing and love to take that time with you. Because the reason that they're working with you is because they want to see you grow. And the reason they're pastoring is because they want to see the kingdom grow. Yes. You know, and yeah, and and, and, and that time with your pastor, that is going to be where you improve in preaching. The other thing that I found that has helped my preaching more than anything as far as from the quote-unquote polishing stage is I have started reading a lot of the quote-unquote classic great preachers like Spurgeon, Mm-hmm. Man, it's like, and I'll notice I uh, like I'll I'll say a couple words. Like the more I've been reading Spurgeon, or one, that's who I'm reading most recently. But it's like the more I'll notice, man, my like my words are not sounding as like I'm not stumbling as much, and they're sounding a l- not intelligent, but a little bit less non-intelligent, you know. And so I think that's a benefit you can do too to to gain not to to preach their sermons, of course, but to just. It, it casually read through them, maybe even make note of how they outline their sermon or the pattern they follow. You know, they're, yes. they're, they're a classic for a reason because it connects with people Very across true. generations. And um, of course, you can't re-preach those messages because the words aren't applicable at all. But but you can get a lot of benefit out of that. Absolutely. And here's, the, here's what you have to remember. Be yourself. Find yeah, out who yeah. you are through prayer through the spirit, through your spiritual leadership, through you study to, to improve who you are, but be yourself. Do not, do not give way to the pressure of being somebody else. And it is there. I mean, all you've got to do, you get one invitation to preach somewhere and you're going to feel that pressure to preach like somebody else, but do not do it. Remember this. Mm -hmm. If they asked you to preach, they want you. Right. If they wanted, if they wanted Anthony Mangan, they would ask Anthony Mangan. Yeah. But they asked you, which means they, they probably know who you are and they want you. So do not yeah. be a bad steward with the opportunity by preaching like somebody else. Yeah, Be yourself and God will do great things with you. Uh, before we uh, wrap this up, is there anything uh, left that maybe we didn't get to that, that you uh, have in your notes or in your mind that you uh, kind of really want to get in uh, and, and share with us? Uh, yeah. I appreciate the general question. There's a couple of things that as I was just in my mind and in my prayer uh, preparing for this time together that, that I wanted to share and I'll try to be quick about it. But I think one thing that's very important and we got to get a hold of this is that when God has chosen you, when God elected you, when he called you into ministry and you're, you're exploring what all that means for your life and, and perhaps you already know what that means, but when God chose you, there's a lot of purpose in that. And the Bible says in Mark 13 and 14, he ordained 12 that they might be with him. Yeah. Their first responsibility was to be with Jesus. Yeah. Before they ever preached, before they ever cast out a devil, before they ever prayed for the sick, their first responsibility was to be with Jesus. And you have got to remember that your first responsibility as a minister, as a called servant, is to simply be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. God has honored you by giving you the opportunity to go to secret places with him that others may never go to. And you get to go there because he's called you for a unique service in his kingdom. And you cannot neglect that place. That's your first calling and your preaching and your teaching and your praying for people will be better, more powerful and more anointed and effective. If you do not neglect your first call, which is to be away with Jesus. Okay. 
It's his process, and he and you'll see it all throughout Scripture. When he calls somebody, he takes them to secret places. He separates them, and he spends time with them. And understand that time with him is important, and it could be long. Moses was there for 40 years. Yeah. If you study the life of Paul, even when Paul was converted, the guy was brilliant. He was educated in theology and law in history. He was brilliant. But if you look at his life, all the things that we celebrate about his ministry did not happen the next day. If you watch, he actually went away for a while. Now, yeah. while he was away, while he was away, sure, he was investing in people's lives, but it was several years when you study it before they called him back to Antioch to be a mighty teacher. Paul needs time away with Jesus. I need time away with Jesus because I'm not educated like Paul was, and I'm not the man that Paul was. I need time with Jesus. If Moses needed it, I need it, and other leaders in Scripture needed it too. So do not step out of that special place in that process. And even when your profile, if you will, grows, your first call and responsibility is to be with Jesus. And the moment you neglect that is the moment you're going to start losing your ground and your effectiveness. So I would tell you, remember it. You are first ordained to be with him. And no one, there's very few people in this world that get that opportunity. That's true. Take advantage of it. Don't neglect it. And while you're there, he's going to have you in a process. Here's the deal. You've got to share his love with the world. You've got to have spiritual power, which you can only get from Jesus. There's other power you can develop in your life. You can receive it from someone else. But spiritual power only comes from Jesus Christ. You can't make it. You can't get it anywhere else. But you get it when you're with him and he's growing and developing you and so you gotta don't please don't forget that if you forget that your ministry will not have a lot of longevity and you're going to be a story that's going to break our hearts is what's going to happen and that so we cannot forget that first call to go with that remember god as i've already said has a process yeah and do not step out of his process don't step out of his process listen I don't want what I'm going to say to be misunderstood. I don't want pity. I don't need a. I don't even need a pat on the back. But I've been in ministry for 16 years. I've been in church yeah. my whole life, and after 16 years, I'm just now going somewhere to pastor. I've had opportunities, yeah. and I'm thankful that people would have confidence in me and give me an opportunity. But Jesus said no, and I've been in His process. And I'm thankful that through the help of the spirit and spiritual leaders that I've been able to stay in that process. And it's who I am today. I'm who I am today because of God's process. I could have stepped out of it. I could have stepped out of it. And I don't think God would have thrown me away if I did. Okay, but I think I can be more effective today. My performance can be more optimal because I tried my best to stay in his perfecting process. Okay, so don't neglect that. Stay in the process. God will make you who he wants you to be. And when it's right, he will release you and he'll do things through you. You could never, ever imagine. Yeah. Okay. and just a couple more things. Don't complicate God out of the word. We, we like to make everything complex. Yeah. It's a North American feature. I mean, God's, God's word is not complex. Think of it this way. Simple is sufficient when it's God's word. 
for sure. It's sufficient. And so I, I find that when I just preach God's word and what he's given me, it is way better for sure. Then when I find ways to complicate it, okay? Yeah. And and so I'm guilty. I'm not saying I handle this well, but I am saying that let's not make it more complex than what it is. Yeah. It, it's not that hard. And it, it's God's words, not our words that are powerful and quick and living. So just preach those words. Preach those yeah. words and understand that while it may seem simple, it is sufficient for people. Yeah. And it's very, very important in your process, okay? The, um, the next thing I want to say to you guys is don't neglect your family and your marriage. Yeah. It sounds, sounds very good. And I'll say it, but it's, it's easy to do. It's very easy to do that. Okay. You have to, as you're developing a ministry or a church or whatever it may be, people and help people be comfortable with other leaders. Yeah. Train up leaders, reproduce yourself, empower them and release them so that you can minister to your family when it's necessary. Yeah. Let me say it this way. And this may seem crass or crude, but listen, somebody's gallbladder is not more important than my child's <laughs> piano recital. For sure. OK. And yeah. there are a number of people that could go pray for them before that surgery and they would yeah. it would be just as effective. Yeah. If you're going to have people be okay with that, you've got to train them and teach them and show them that in the administration of your ministry or your church or whatever it may be. you got to show them that by training men and women, empowering them and allowing them to minister to people. And don't let people's crisis and troubles become your crisis and trouble. The most important thing is your family. There are yeah. some things that are major crises and you may have to respond. Yeah. And you may miss something, but there is so much that somebody else can take care of it. Yeah. And most of the time, that's the case. I've been doing this long enough that most of the time somebody else could take care of it. And I could be with yeah. my children or my wife where I should be. Yeah. OK. And and I, and it's easy to say and it's easy for you to agree with me. But obviously, when you get in the situation, you'll learn yeah. it's very difficult. Yeah. But you can do it if you make a point to do it. And if you prepare your church and your ministry for that. OK. Yeah. I, I have no problem having training people, having confidence in them and releasing them and empowering them. I'm mm -hmm. I don't I'm not perfect, but I'm not insecure with that. And that's how I want it to be, because. I have a family that needs me as well. And uh, there's 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 more people in this world that can serve the body than just me. And and so it's important, though, because we're conditional beings that we condition people for that and show them yeah. that, wow, we've got an anointed ministry team. And there are many people that can pray with you and serve you and care for you and and encourage those opportunities and, and those moments. And people start to learn that they don't have to have you at every crisis. Yeah, man. And then you can do what you're you're supposed to do, which is take care of your family and take care of your children. I think that's it. The, I guess the last thing that I think is important is learn how to lead one person. Yeah, we make it all about crowds and we make it all about a lot of people. And that has a lot to do with pride sometimes, if we're honest. Yeah. But Learn how to effectively lead and minister to just one person. Yeah. 
And in my opinion, my goal in my life and ministry is to make it all for the one. Yeah. This this kind that we're sharing tonight, in my mind, it's not for hundreds. It's for the yeah. one person. Yeah. It's for the one person that needed it and will hear it and that could be changed yeah. and do far more than I've ever done. And I, I take that approach with every sermon. I'm here and I'm here just for the one tonight. And if yeah. you will learn, if you'll let God teach you and you'll master ministering, teaching, preaching, leading one then yeah. it'll give you opportunity to do it to hundreds. But if you can't master doing it with one, it's going right. to be very unlikely that you're going to get to frequently and effectively do it to hundreds. Yeah. So don't underestimate the one that God's putting in your path yeah. and learning how to minister to that one, because that is what will really make your life and your ministry. Yeah. I'll tell you something that that I've learned is if I listen to my wife she'll tell me when I'm not putting the family first. And yeah, if I don't just brush good. it off and saying, oh, you're just being selfish or, you, you know, where's your ministry mind? And, you know, and of course you never verbalize that, but don't say it in your mind either. Say, no, hey, she's saying it because I need to pay attention. We, we guys yes. are, we're very mission-minded and we're very passion-driven, but you got to take a step back and say, hey, what, what really matters? And, and yeah. she'll tell you. Um, and, and as far as ministering to the to the one, this week I got a text after um, we posted the last episode uh, from Micah. He's one of the guys that um, is on my youth staff and said, "Hey, thanks for the podcast this week. It may you know it really meant a lot to me." And that was I didn't even know he listened. First of all, um, but th- that is so encouraging. And so I want if you guys are listening to this, if this has helped you. Shoot us an email at contact at behindthepodcast.com. Go to our Facebook page right on it. Let us know what we can do that would impact you, the things you want to hear, the people you want to talk to. We've enjoyed this conversation so much, Brother Williams. If somebody wants to get in contact with you, maybe to support you uh, financially, I know you're on deputation right now. How would they uh, get in contact with you? Yeah, so we're definitely on deputation. Love to talk to you about what God's going to do in Portland, uh, various ways in which you could partner with us and help us out in starting churches. You can invest in God's ministry plan for Portland, Oregon. I would say uh, we're a social media world, so you could utilize social media. I'm on Facebook. It's just Chad Williams. We have a Facebook page called uh, Metro Missions. No, it's called the Williams Family Portland, Oregon. Uh, You could contact us through that. I'm on Twitter, Rev C. Williams. um, And uh, so you could do that. My email address, I'm happy to share that. I don't mind. My email address would be Williams.com. 350 at gmail.com. You're welcome to shoot me an email. Love to talk to you. Um, and, and, and certainly we could always use help uh, as we endeavor to start churches in Portland, Oregon. Definitely, it was an honor. Yeah. Thank you guys for letting me be on the call. Thank you for everything you're doing because I know yeah. it's making a difference in people's lives for sure. Well, it's super cool. Secretly, we just um, do it as an excuse for our wives to give us some time. So. We just we just like talking to each other and to, to great ministers. So that's awesome. And uh, those links will be in the show notes, except for the email address, because for those of you who don't know, if you post a e- web or an email address directly on a website, you will be flooded with spam. So we won't do yeah, that to you. True. But Facebook, your Facebook right. at, uh, link, your Twitter link, we'll post that. So if you want to get in contact with Brother Williams, go to the show notes. That'll all be on there. Make it easier for you. 
as much as we would love for this conversation to just go on and on and never end, we do have to wrap this up and get back to our whys. I have to go clean. And so um, you go to the links. Uh, it's going to be com slash 25. Thanks again for listening. And until next episode, remember, you matter to the kingdom of God. All right, that's it. That's cool, guys. That's awesome. Behind the Pulpit Podcast. Very cool, man.